This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello, welcome back. It is Monday evening. We are live. My name is Rory. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. And as always, I'm joined by my very good friend, Adam. Hey, Rory. It's a bank holiday and in typical UK fashion, it rains here. So uh, we we carry on to traditions. But more importantly, mate, how are you? Um, Slightly annoyed that um, being a British citizen, I I still don't get the right to a bank holiday despite living (laughs) in Italy. I think I should get like, you know, diplomatic immunity or something. He's like, excuse me. I know I don't give a shit about the coronation, but I would like the day off, please. Um, (laughs) I'm slightly annoyed. Where you crowd. That's it. I could just rocked into work, to be honest. Um, It has... It was all my students were talking about, to be honest. Um, but I was saying to you off mic, I only remembered it was a bank holiday when I saw the kickoff times today. And I was like, <laughs> three o'clock on a Monday? What the frig is it? Oh, yeah, I remember now. It's not the copy And of Italia. course, <laughs> the fact that I've been distracted with work, I've not been able to see any of it. And it's all been absolutely mental. So yeah. we're going to try to cover what has been a hectic uh, Monday. What was a bloody lovely sunday i'll be honest i really enjoyed my sunday (laughs) and a pretty decent saturday um how was your how was your bank holiday weekend though adam wasn't too bad it has to be said uh saw out wickham wanderers uh played a last game of the season so we're kind of now reminiscing about what could have been and what could be for the season ahead and promising signs at portsmouth but just question mark over certain players but other than that mate yeah we managed to at least have a decent weather day yesterday so just doing bit chores around the house um but yeah Looking forward to a bit of this chat because there's been some fascinating matches across Serie A and the Premier League. So let's get started, mate. There has matter, and we got to see uh, MK Dons relegated. I did see you enjoying that on Twitter. (laughs) I did see you enjoying that on Twitter. I thought we'd have to we'd have to give it a shout out early. So in the Premier League this week, where the headlines we're going to be discussing, um, we're going to be discussing Arsenal getting the better of Newcastle in a fiery St. James's Park. We're going to be talking about the happy Hammers and the not-so-happy Manchester United. We're going to be talking um, a rev- um, an undercover but incredible season for Mohamed Salah, and I suppose we'll do a little bit of a runaround of the rest, you know, Fulham yes. 5, Leicester 3, Everton 5, Brentford 1. There's plenty to talk about. Adam, what are we going to be talking about in Italy? Well, as the title alludes to, we're going to talk about Lula and Lukaku coming back into form, maybe at the right time to uh, get some suitors in for him. Uh, we'll also talk about Milan, Teo, that amazing goal against Lazio. I'm sure our friend Fede Farco isn't very happy about how Lazio are kind of throwing this away, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll also speculate about the relegation battle. So, 
few weeks ago, I wouldn't have thought Spezia could be in those places. Um, but unfortunately, we also bid farewell to Sampdoria. Uh, we also welcome two new teams to Serie A for next season. So we will talk about that. And obviously, we have to talk about Naples and those scenes. Um, I'm sure the conversation between yourself and AFC Finners has been wild. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. even the scenes after the match against Fiorentina were just incredible. Um nothing but just mm -hmm. you know how naples like to run a party and they mm -hmm. go wild so that was epic to see definitely rory but that plus more nice there's plenty plenty to cover so with that in mind i'm going to remove this banner i'm going to press this video and we will see you for premier league on the other side Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And here we are. It's Premier League time and we're going to start because I decide where we start. We're going to start <laughs> with Arsenal in our Premier League mm -hmm. review. We're going to start with what was, I think, an incredible performance at, um, at Newcastle. And I didn't realise we'd invented a time machine. We've gone back to 2008 and we've rediscovered <laughs> Tony Pulis's Stoke, but this time with money. Um, I couldn't believe the tactics they employed. But before I go on a little bit of a rant um, and get on my soapbox, Adam, what were your thoughts this game? What did you expect to happen before the game? And were you surprised by the outcome? Um, I was expecting maybe a better style of play from Newcastle. And I think mm -hmm. that's where you're going to allude to. Um, I, we know that Obviously, Newcastle can mix it up. And I was talking to one of our friends, uh, Ibrahim Mustafa, when we were uh, he was posting stuff on Twitter about how streetwise this Newcastle side have become. I think, obviously, we know that in the summer to come, they're going to add some quality. And I'm sure mixed in with that kind of style of play that Eddie Howe has deployed against Arsenal, um, there could be a bit more professionalism in terms of those fouls going forward. However... Um, slightly disappointed by the way they kind of approached the game, perhaps. Um, I was expecting the kind of few weeks ago where they were quite flary, you know, quite exciting to watch, mm -hmm. I think quite clinical, whereas I didn't necessarily see that. And I think what was interesting was how, I suppose, mature this Arsenal side have been, considering the backdrop of, OK, you've had the Chelsea result. However, prior to that, it didn't look rosy. And obviously, mm. this was a must-win game. Very much hyped on Sky Sports. I love the fact that they... <laughs> they definitely wanted one outcome. They wanted one outcome. Yeah. The other outcome is Jakub Kivo. They are desperate for him to fall on his face. The, the hype around him is just incredible. So I'm glad that he proved his worth. I know mm -hmm. he's still young. And I alluded to you in a WhatsApp message like... He's still going to make mistakes, yeah. but he has been incredible given the fact that there's been so much pressure on him to kind of perform and he's done it admirably. Um, interestingly, he said to the Polish press that Arteta has given him a lot of trust um, mm. and that he's kind of taken a few weeks just to bed in to the style of play, given that he's come from Serie A as well, obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. not used to the kind of the 
kind of explosive nature of the Premier League. So um, he did reflect on that on Polish TV. Um, but yeah, I think it was incredible how well Arsenal stood up to it. Maybe Xhaka almost was needed in a bit of cooling down at times. Uh, throw I really enjoyed pocket, it. Yeah. But it was quite funny to watch as a neutral. Um, but yeah, just incredible how they managed to, despite the wax, get up and just play on. Uh, I think that was a testament to the Arsenal squad. Yeah, well, I think it was really interesting because Xhaka is a really good case in point because a year ago, or maybe two years ago, because last year he kept his nerve quite mm. a bit as well, I think, but two years ago he gets sent off in that game. Yeah. But what I what I really like about Xhaka is that he hasn't lost that fire. He's still mm. mouthy. He's still up for a fight, <laughs> but he now knows where to draw the line and where to step back. He needs to be reminded by his teammates sometimes. <laughs> so, he does know yeah. where the line is, and I think... What we saw from that Arsenal team, because Arteta made a really interesting point where he said is what the reason why he played Jorginho and not Partey. Now, I'm going to talk about Jorginho because, my God. But the reason he played Jorginho and not Partey is because he said, if we tried to go against them physically, we're going to lose. What we need to do is be technically better than them. Mm-hmm. And I think... But what we did still see in that team was enough fight and enough like, no, we're not just going to let you push mm-hmm. us around. We are going to give it you back. That Newcastle knew it wasn't going to be an easy day. Now... There was a bit of luck, like Jacob Murphy hits the bar in the first minute. I think if that goes in, it's a completely different game. Um, I'm very relieved that VAR did their job in this game um, and got it right because that was never Mm -hmm. a handball. I think Alan Shearer embarrassed himself on Premier League TV trying to grill um, the referee about it. It was blatantly hit his leg. But I'm glad that one went right because I was very, very nervous and angry and scared at that point. Mm -hmm. But... yeah. The, the the match the match winner and the more, the turning point was Erdegaard, who now has scored fifteen non penalty goals from midfield, so he's equaled Fabregas's record um, in two thousand eight two thousand nine. Fabregas did that, and he was on penalties, so non penalty, and I think it's either equal to or the most goals non penalty goals from a Premier League midfielder in history. Mm. Right, like this is an incredible season that Erdegaard's having, as well as seven assists. And what I love is it, that's basically a carbon copy of the goal against uh, both goals against Chelsea. Yeah. Like it, he just always manages to find that mm-hmm. space, that half space where the defenders don't know whether to come out and the midfielders don't know whether to drop back and get him. Yep. And he just tucks it bottom corner, beautiful mm-hmm. finish. That was a turning point of the game. Of course it was. I think at that point we then started to play football. We started to pass it round. Uh, Martinelli missed a one-to-one, but that move came from Ramsdale and passed all the way through the team. I think we were really had our confidence then. And then the second half, it was all about just holding our nerve. And Mm. I think Martinelli and Saka didn't have the greatest game. I think Martinelli was pretty good, but he wasn't his liveliest best. But for him, an hour in after sprinting for an hour, (laughs) for him to be able to make that run, do the defender and get that ball across and force the mistake, it just shows how much... He really wants it. And I think we saw a lot of personality in that Arsenal performance, Mm. a lot of personality. They had a point to prove. Obviously, it was where it all fell apart last season. I think Arteta didn't mention it coming up to the game at all and then showed them a clip of the Amazon documentary like an hour before kickoff and was like, remember what this felt like? Now let's go. Incredible, my management. But, and the Kivior kind of ties into this, Arteta is learning to trust his players more. Mm-hmm. he's started Kivior. Yep. He's been incredible. Arguably should have been starting earlier, but it's done now. Um, yep. 
and Jorginho. For him to yeah. start Jorginho yeah. in this game, I was genuinely surprised. Like I've said for a while now, not just because of on-field stuff, but off-field stuff as well. I don't mm. want Partey yeah, in the yeah. team. I would rather have Jorginho in the team. But we're seeing now that on the field as well, it just makes us so much more solid. I know that mm. Jorginho hasn't got the pace or the physicality of Partey, but he never makes the wrong decision. No. And his speed of thought on the ball is insane. And mm-hmm. his, just, his ability to just pass, pass, pass. The ball is never... Like there's never even time for someone to press him because by the time no. they've got to him, he's released the ball and it's just gone. Like yeah. I love that signing. I just mm-hmm. love that signing. Yeah, and yeah. it's the, the one I was kind of least excited about in January, the one where I was yeah, like, oh, I, think I don't so, know yeah. if I... I think if you go back and listen to our episodes, I Probably. was like, I'm not sure about this, honestly. Mm. Like another Chelsea player and they've not been great this year and he's not a headline player. Yeah, yeah, he isn't. Of course. But you look at him and what I also love is that the... The players, all like all the other team, or all the Arsenal team, absolutely love him, mm. and they all listen to him. They all look to him for guidance. And in the post match, he said when they asked him about the atmosphere, he was like, "I love playing in this atmosphere. This is what I dreamt of as a kid. This is what I want to do. Like <laughs> yeah. I want to be playing in atmospheres like this." And that's exactly what you need on the field. Yeah. I thought he was unbelievable. Um, what what a player. I, I just love it. I absolutely love that he's an Arsenal yeah. player, honestly. I just I could sit and watch him forever. I was really, really pleased with him. But we do need to talk about Newcastle. They did, I'm gonna to throw to you, they did start with Isaac and Callum Wilson for the first time. Yep. And I was a little bit terrified by this. Um yeah, yeah. I was like, Christ, we have got a busy day on our hands. And they did cause us some problems. Were you impressed with their partnership? Do you think it's something that could work? Because I think Isaac didn't really get into the game that much. Yeah, I think personally I was expecting more when you reflect on the game itself. Um, I think the idea and philosophy of having two really kind of dynamic forwards is a good thing to have. It's definitely something that mixes it up, certainly in terms of the way that Newcastle approached it this season. Um, I didn't think necessarily Callum Wilson had a great game either. Um, mm. I know you allude to Isak and I yeah, agreed that he didn't get into it. But I think Wilson was kind of trying to cause more kind of arguments on the pitch with the opposition than he, he necessarily was, concentrated on his game, yeah. if that makes sense. All he Go did on. was bump into players and pull on Ramsdale's yeah. shirt. That's all I saw him do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I didn't necessarily think that he had the best of his games. Like, mm-hmm. I've seen him play better. Um, and maybe that's something they just need to work on. Um, it was something that was obviously different for this game. and You knew the intention of what Eddie Howe was trying to achieve here. Um, but again, like you say, I don't think it got to the Arsenal defence. I think the fact that they had two kind of very kind of similar style players in Xhaka and Jorginho dropping into whenever, say, a defender was dragged out really helps. I think what was interesting was seeing Jorginho use that experience that he knows he dropped in, always shouting behind him, making sure that whoever was there there was someone being chased. Someone was being, I think, really just marks. And there was a couple of occasions where Jorginho has to make the last ditch tackle or slide in. And I think that that I, I don't necessarily see Partey do that a lot of the mm. time. And I think that was really telling. I, I'm gutted that Jorginho didn't start a few more games, a bit like Kivio yeah. uh, earlier um, in this run. But um, it gives Arsenal a lot of hope going forward for Newcastle. They've done really well to get to this point. I think if you called it at the beginning of the season, say, look, you could be in the top four, they would have taken your hands off. Um, So, yeah, I think it was just a game too far. And it was just the difference in terms of class. 
that that's mm-hmm. all I'm going to put it down to. I think there was a different element of class, like you say, Arsenal just rose to the occasion and learned about how to deal it or deal with the situation from a technical point of view, as opposed to emotions, which I think was very evident from last season's performance anyway. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And just the last word on it, I don't know... I, I wasn't aware that Bruno Grimaraes had immunity from yellow cards. I okay, cannot yeah, believe I know, yeah. he was yeah, not booked. That Saka foul was incredible. That Saka foul was horrific. And there was about five or six others where he dived in. I was like, wow, this guy's getting nothing today. Eh? Mm. Um, and also Zinchenko again. Arteta learning. He took Zinchenko off, off early and was like, we yeah. need to get this pulled up before this gets away from us. Kieran Tierney, we cannot sell him. We Under no circumstances can we <laughs> yeah. sell Kieran Tierney. This Just do not do it. I love him. Um, we're going to leave Arsenal-Newcastle there. Um, wonderful win. I honestly did not expect that in my wildest <laughs> dreams. I thought we were going to hold a few there. Um, and we're going to move on to late on Sunday afternoon. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a tweet. Very late. <laughs> there is a tweet that chronicles every battering or every bad loss that United ever take. Now, mm-hmm. we all know the one already, but I'm going to describe it. The picture of De Gea with you shall not pass, right? If you go <laughs> to the comments on that tweet, it's just the date that every time United lost and it was his fault. Well, there's another one. Now, United yeah. in general weren't particularly um, impressive. I think they had a bad, bad day at the office and West Ham could have won easily by three or four. Um, We're going to talk about how in a minute. Um, But the main talking point is De Gea. Mm -hmm. Should that be a priority for them this season? Because it seems like Ten Hag is offering him a new contract. They're happy for him to stay. Is that because they're doing it stage by stage? We'll get a centre forward, then we'll get a goalkeeper. I think the goalkeeper is a more pressing issue at the minute. Possibly. Um, I would agree with you. I think that is a priority signing for United going forward. Um, I suspect the reason or rationale behind it is Ten Hag wants to instill some confidence. He knows there's a good goalkeeper in him. Um, But there seems to be this kind of over-reliance in terms of building him up to this level that he can do or at least compete with the top goalkeepers in Europe, which I don't think he is. I think he's had enough time to kind of develop his kicking, for example. He's had enough time to make sure that he's a bit more calmer in situations. You can see even by his decision-making sometimes, it doesn't give confidence to the defenders in front of him. And I think if you look back at the first goal where Ben Rama does score that goal, um, it all alludes to Luke Shaw trying to be a bit Mm -hmm. clever trying to do things that he would do in a fullback position and doing it at a centre-back position, which, you know, it, it was just a wrong way to go about it. And unfortunately, he got caught up in that situation. And Ben Rama has no maybe divine right to shoot from that distance and ex- expect it to go in. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, De Gea flaps at it. I mean, it wasn't a solid enough palm. I mean, if you look at the replays, it doesn't look like he gets anything to it. And it feels like that's a, for a goalkeeper, his size as well. We forget mm-hmm. about how tall he is. I think he should do massively a hell of a lot better. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, there's a problem is, and I'm sure Andy would allude to it. There's a number of positions that they need to strengthen in. Um, and it's not just goalkeeping. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I would certainly go about it. And I was thinking about this earlier today is, in terms of goalkeepers, who do you go, kind of go to? And it, it feels like you go to Serie A at the moment because yeah. Magic Mike, for example, at Milan, if they can get a deal out of Milan, I'm sure Milan, if they have the right bid, they would consider it. Um, same with Onana, for example, yeah, at yeah. Inter. I think he would do a 10 times better job than, for, for example, De Gea. Um, 
but you know, I, I think there's a number of goalkeepers out there that potentially could do a better job than De Gea right well, now. It says it says a lot that I was looking at Lecce today, right? I was watching okay. their highlights, yeah. and they've got Vicario in goal. He's an unbelievable goalkeeper, right? And I was sat thinking, I can't think. Falcao. Fal- Falcao, sorry. Yeah. yeah, Falcone even. Falcone, Falcone um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Vicario is at Empoli, isn't he? Another good keeper as well. But yeah, again. But, and I was thinking of a Serie A team that had a bad goalkeeper, and I was like, I couldn't really think of one. And I was like, most of these could come mm. through at United and improve Easy. on De Gea, because De Gea gets a full hand on that, and it goes just straight over him. But we need... Tom is going to be shouting at me. Um, we need to give West Ham <laughs> some credit and talk about the referee. Now, West Ham, they've been revitalized recently. They're starting mm-hmm. to get a little bit of form together, getting some big wins, including this big European semi-final this week. All of a sudden, it's feeling a little bit more like a positive season for West Ham. And this was a massively positive result. Um, Declan Rice in midfield. Now, obviously, every time I watch him, I'm just like, he has to come to Arsenal now. He has to be to <laughs> Arsenal. I love him. But... He did absolutely everything in this game. He was everywhere. He was winning every ball. He was pushing the team forward. Just an incredible performance from him. Um, how excited are we by Rice and the fact that he does seem to be adding this attacking element to his game now? It does feel like he scored a few recently. It feels like he's really, really taken on that mantle um, as of late. Yeah, he's becoming a bit more of the all-rounder of mm-hmm. what you expect from a midfielder. I think that part of his game has definitely developed better and there was a few examples on the highlights where he's pinging balls from deep for example and you're not expecting him to maybe necessarily do that a year ago for example Mm -hmm. I think he plays it a lot more sensibly for example Um, but I think the energy is the thing that you allude to is the fact that he can go from box to box and seemingly be comfortable at both ends which I think is the massive gain for England for example as well as or maybe Arsenal I'm saying this, but West Ham, West Ham at the moment as it currently stands. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is useful for that midfield. I think in West Ham's case that they've got someone as reliable and dependable. I think that's the key word because I think yeah, I would say he has bit had bits this season where he's had form inconsistencies, but certainly towards this latter part of the stage of the season, he's proving his worth. So um, for West Ham fans, I'm sure they're hoping he stays on for at least another season. But if not, hopefully guide them to a conference league title. Well, this and him talking after the after the game, he seems like such a nice bloke. He just seems well, like yeah. the nicest guy. The video of him with that kid, kid and giving yeah. the shirt, it's just beautiful. But in the in the post match interview, he's talking about like we really want to win something here. Like we know how big it would be, and like it would be absolutely huge. I really am. Hoping I'm putting all my support behind West Ham to do this. I just uh, AFC Finners. I just hope when Rice moves, it'll put an end to the whole is he worth 100 million question. You never know, it'll just be will Rice move to Real? That'll be like the new endless mm. um, narrative, yeah. I believe. I think we're gonna have to pay more than 100 million. I think it's gonna be 120, 130 that we have to pay for him, and I'd pay every penny. Um, <laughs> but the way he was talking, you can tell he absolutely loves it at West Ham. I think he's. And West Ham fans don't really hold it against him that he's moving on. I think they realise that he's given them a good few years. He he could have left a few years ago. Yeah. He didn't. And he's like, he proper fights for the shirt. So I was really impressed with him. But we do need to talk about the refereeing performance because West Ham should have had two more goals. Well, one penalty and one goal, I yeah. think. So as far as I can figure it out, if your hand is in the line of your body, you can do whatever you want, Right. 
So if the ball's here, you can just punch it up because it's in the line of your body, right? Because that was the reason why Lindelof didn't give away the penalty. There is no other reason why that wasn't given. I was honestly mm-hmm. gobsmacked at that that wasn't given. Yeah. What was your first thoughts on that? I know you were even slightly surprised. Um, surprise? I don't know if I'm surprised this season with VAR and referees. Unfortunately, it is an issue um, in terms of that decision-making. They haven't made that black and white, so you don't know really where that should be a yellow card, where that should be an even handball, etc. So it is a bit inconsistent in terms of the decision-making. Um, but yeah, shocked as you and as many have said, um, I can't understand the logic. And again, when you play that against Kivior's situation, for example, there was a huge amount of doubt in terms of whether it hit his like leg, for example. But if, for argument's sake, it didn't hit his leg, for example, and it mm. did hit his arm, where does he put that arm? Is that in yeah, line yeah, with the yeah. body? Like, I mean, he deliberately yeah, he tries to pull it back. It. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. getting to a point where it's just so yeah. unnatural now. So I think there needs to be some guidance around what is in line with the body, etc. Um, but yeah, I'm afraid that that should have been a penalty. Should have been a penalty. I and I, 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 I'm agreeing with fans of clubs that aren't in the top six. If that's a West Ham player in that position, Man United get the penalty. Like yeah, I think there is an issue. There's a huge issue with big teams or the big six um, getting decisions that that the that the other teams don't get. I think it's hard to deny at this point. Like it yeah. really is. Some of the decisions that Liverpool get against Fulham, like Fulham yeah. wouldn't get against Liverpool. If you know what I mean, and this is another yeah, one for exactly. West Ham where I think it's just there needs to be more. There just needs to be an improvement in the standard of refereeing mm-hmm. and in the level yeah. of consistency. Um, I think that's kind of it, really. And then the the second goal. Um, AFC Fitness has just jumped in with a with a comment. De Gea was being cowardly and took advantage of how overprotected keepers are. I think that's absolutely spot on. I mm-hmm. again couldn't believe that was disallowed. I was messaging Tom at the time, friend of the show, and just saying he was absolutely fuming. He's like, "We are going to end up drawing this game, and we've had three goals, two goals robbed from us." Like, what do you think the reason was for that being for that being disallowed? Was that just overprotection of of goalkeepers? I think so. I think so. I think that's just the interpretation of the referee in that situation. Um, but yeah, I, I think if you look at it from other angles, there's no way that should be overlooked as a goal. That should have been given as a goal. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, we again, that's something where VAR needs to step in and say, look, this decision, that's no way is that a foul. He's just being a bit soft. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's, the question is, how, how do you determine something that's being soft and someone is being quite solid in the way they grasp to the ball and challenge for the ball? I think there is an element where that, again, needs to be recitified, needs to be looked at. But again, um, so much of it goes on in the box, you know, the amount of yeah, like yeah. pulls, etc. I mean, yeah, we could be giving free kicks all day long, right? Um, yeah. But there needs to be some level of what can a goalkeeper do and what you can't do to a goalkeeper, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, to deem it as uh, protection of the goalkeepers. So, yeah, I think they get away with it quite a lot, especially in the Premier League level anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was utterly ridiculous. So West Ham, unlucky to not win by more. Mm-hmm. But before we move on from this game, I do also want to say Lucas Paqueta. It's taken him a while <laughs> to settle into the league. Yeah. I was a little bit worried about him. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, no, don't do this. Don't do this. I need Mm. you to do well because I feel like there's a player in there and I feel like he's really becoming key for West Ham now, really Mm. finding his feet, starting to have that flair, add that bit of creativity. 
and knit the midfield and the attack together. He had some lovely touches in this game, like mm. just ghosted past a few of the United defenders. I just think he's one of those signings that just adds real quality to that West Ham team, just adds that real bit of like that can unlock the door, right, mm. and get you that goal, get you that assist. Just really enjoying him uh, playing football at the moment. So hopefully next season, he can really kick on at West Ham and maybe Skamaka will get a start and we can start seeing him in the <laughs> Premier League, fingers crossed. But how impressed yeah. have you been by Pakatai? It has taken him a while. Yeah, I had my doubts as well when the announcement for him to transfer to West Ham took place because, yeah, there was that hot and cold patch that he displayed at Lyon. We know about his days in Milan as well yeah. where he didn't really turn <laughs> it on very often. Terrible. It was yeah, pretty yeah, bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, he seems to be getting a tune right now. He seems to be a lot more consistent. Um, I think he's grasped the game quite quickly as well, in fairness to him. So, you know, the pace has probably maybe helped him out, I think, because whereas before, perhaps in French League and Italy especially, gets a bit more time on the ball. So maybe he overthinks it, whereas potentially he has to do those one-twos a lot quicker, the movement's a lot sharper. So, yeah, I think he's adapted quite well, considering. And he's got the groundings of someone like David Moyes, who will not allow you to do those kind of things and not track back. So he's doing a hell of a <laughs> lot more true. work, right? That is true. That is true. Now, so we're going to leave the happy hammers there. Man United just... They could drop out of top four now. I think they've really put themselves in quite a terrible situation. Yes. Um, the Arsenal fan in me wants to laugh a lot because there was United, <laughs> United fans going, oh, we could finish above Arsenal. Yeah. Nope. Seven out of 10 mm. seasons post-Fergie, we finished above you. Just just as a count. Um, but <laughs> do you think United are going to make top four? Because Liverpool are resurgent. Um, Brighton... I'm not sure Um, and Spurs we're not sure (laughs) do you think United will make it? I think it's touch and go now it really was I think prior to um, the game uh, I was kind of conscious of you know Man United have got games in hand but actually when you look at this kind of form that Liverpool are displaying and it seems to be they're kind of merciless they're not playing necessarily the style that we associate with Liverpool they're being a bit more clinical right now and I think that is going to really push on Liverpool and maybe get them into a position where they're striving for those Champions League spots. I mean, it'll be a hell of a blow for Man United Mm -hmm. fans because they were already thinking about second place a few weeks ago, and now they could be dropping out in terms of the league position into at least fifth position, I would say. Um, I think they've got enough to stay within fifth spot, but at this moment in time, I think I fancy Liverpool at this moment in time. Well, talking of Liverpool, we do need to talk about Liverpool. And they get a 1-0 mm-hmm. win against Brentford. Salah has now scored 30 goals this season. It's it does not feel a bit mad. Oversight. <laughs> like, and I think it just it tells you the levels that he's hit over the last few years. It's kind of with, with Harry Kane as well. I think he's on 26 mm. Premier League goals. And any other year, that would get you the golden boot. But obviously not this year because there's a cyborg in the league. But like... Uh, Salah, again, just quietly going about his business, 30 goals in all competitions, and he's really hit form recently. Nine goals in his last nine games at Anfield. Um, He's really coming up clutch when they need it. And Liverpool are starting. They're now won six in a row, right? And is this... Like, Klopp has really pulled this out of the bag, right? You've just got to, like, applaud him, really. I think what's helped um, is certain players coming back. Um, mm-hmm. The likes of Diego Jota, for example. Yeah. Um, helps Diaz as well. Diaz yeah. is another one. Um, so massively that's helped them because I think if you think about before that point, 
they were struggling to get the ball out of the kind of defensive half. And I think that's, mm-hmm. that's still obviously the fragilities. If you get to their defensive midfield area as well, that's where you can exploit Liverpool. But at this moment in time, they've obviously gone full attack. That's the strengths. It's interesting that you got Alexander-Arnold now being pushed on into that attacking third as well. So he's obviously looking at this and going, what is my strengths? He's working against it. And superb. I mean, you can't say, you know, a Liverpool side that is on fire is a team to be really scared and mindful of now. I think that's that's the key. And obviously Klopp's going to use this as the impetus to kind of say, right, we'll get into the, at least the Champions League spots for now. Let's use the summer to consolidate. Let's bring in the players that we want and we'll take it from there. Obviously, there was this massive hope for Jude Bellingham. That looks unlikely now. So I think they have to reassess those targets. But certainly there's a huge opportunity for Klopp now going forward to at least get those fourth spot in the bag and then look at what they can do in the summer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I was just looking at Liverpool's fixtures as well. They've got three very winnable games, Leicester City away, Villa at home and Southampton away. Like compare that with Man United's um, fixtures who've now got um, let me figure this out. Oh, God, they've got loads of games left. Jesus Christ. They've got a lot of games. They've got Wolves at home, Bournemouth away, Chelsea at home, Fulham at home. Um, yeah, they've got quite a few there. So a yeah. few games that could cause you problems. I think Wolves, Chelsea now, they're still pretty yeah. terrible. But I think there's a, there's enough games there where United drop points that they could find themselves um, in trouble, unfortunately, kind of. Um, elsewhere in the Premier League, um, shall we talk about the games today and the absolute chaos that happened today? Now, obviously, I haven't seen... End yeah. of this, Adam. <laughs> I think you've seen the highlights. We're going to talk kind of generally. Sorry, guys. We're going to talk generally about what this means for the relegation picture. But firstly, we have Fulham five, Leicester three. Um, so at five nil down, Leicester decide to try and make a bit of a comeback <laughs> um, and nearly do it. To be fair to them, um, what did you see from this game and just how relegated are Leicester? Oh, I, I don't know what to kind of make of this Leicester side anymore. Um, I thought they show or at least displayed a few weeks ago a bit of fight, certainly in the performances against Everton. You kind of expected a little bit better going forward. Um, disappointing, I think, is the word to kind of summarise. And it's interesting to see Madison getting a bit of a plastering mm. from his own fan base. I mean, he even alluded to it in his tweet saying, that they've taken it out of context about what he meant. You know, he actually meant about the kind of quality on the day that they were lacking in terms of fight and not the overall fight yeah. in terms of what they were trying to display. Um, yeah, it's worrying for Leicester City. Um, Fulham haven't been in great form, it has no, to be said as well. I mean, they've yeah. slipped down to 10th position. And um, with that, obviously... Win that puts them in a better position going forward. Um, but yeah, massive question marks about Leicester City. Um, I wouldn't have expected Everton to be winning as they did against Brighton, and which we'll move on to, I think. Um, but when we talked about Deserby and goals, I didn't think we'd be talking about conceding five. Uh, certainly conceding three within 40 minutes was incredible. Where did that come from? I feel like, did Deserby play a really changed team? I feel like there were some players that never really, because I saw that he just yeah. threw on a load of players at one point. I think he he, he threw on Ferguson and then Cesar and he threw on, it felt like maybe he kind of panicked at one point. Let's, let me see that. He threw by, on I mean, Colwell, by... Ferguson, March and then Cesar all at half time. Um, 
And then she's March gets injured, brings on Billy Gilmore. Like it seems like it might have been a bit of a changed team, right? Not to excuse that, but no, it's not to excuse that. Um, but I think he would have expected that they've got enough quality on the, yeah. in the team. Anyway, you look at it. Okay, fair enough. You've got the likes of McAllister, you've got Casado, you've got yeah, Matoma, yeah. for example, Dunk, Dunk. Lewis Dunk. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do know from what I've heard, uh, Jason Steele had a terrible game. Um, I'm not his biggest fan, it has to be said. I know he's got a bit of mm-hmm. redemption in the last few seasons. He's been mainly a deputy goalkeeper. Um, but yeah, certainly uh, he didn't have a great game. Uh, Osterpernan as well, we know what he can do. Unfortunately, he didn't have a great game here. Um, so yeah, it, it, it unfortunately it feels like Brighton have this game every season, they have one yeah. terrible game, unfortunately, yeah. and it will happen to happen against Everton. Um, and I never thought we could say Dyche could score more than three goals, it's normally one or two goals, right? But and we do have to give we do have to give Everton their flowers, we have to say yeah. fair play, absolutely fair play for turning up and just steamrolling one of the most exciting attacking teams in the league. Incredible, um, two goals for McNeil, two goals for Decore. An assist for a Wobi, cheeky assist for the DCL as well. All looking pretty good there. Now, in terms of the relegation picture, Leicester have had a terrible day. Leicester are having mm-hmm. a terrible day. So Everton are now two points ahead of Leicester as it stands. And Forest are currently beating Southampton 3-1, which means that Forest are now three points ahead of Leicester. It leaves Leicester and Leeds both a little bit stranded at the bottom. Just enough that they're going to start worrying. I think the bottom three might be the bottom three at the end of the season. What do you think? It does look like it. I'm just having a look at the fixtures. So obviously you mentioned about Leicester taking on Liverpool, but then they're way to Newcastle and last day of the season at home to West Ham. So you're kind of hoping maybe West Ham have nothing to play for by mm-hmm. that point. And then if we have a look at Everton's fixtures list as well. They've got so Bournemouth got, on the last oh, game, I think. Yes, yeah, so it's away to Man City next week. Um, oh, at home or way sorry sorry let me rephrase that at home to man city away to wolves and then at home to bournemouth um so yeah that that's not easy in any no. stretch of imagination no, no. and then if we quickly have a look at leeds united then as well obviously they're, they're under sam Allardyce, yeah not pleasant but you kind of expect maybe the two home games they might get something and i'm sure yeah. that's what sam Allardyce is going to look at so ideally he's going to Aim for nine points, I think. Um, but yeah, at home to Newcastle, away to West Ham, and then last day of the season at home to Spurs. Um, yeah, I could see them nicking something at, against Spurs. Um, they could nick something at West Ham, providing West Ham are safe. And then Newcastle's the big if. Um, but they're yeah. going to have to take advantage of it. And it's interesting. I don't know if what your thoughts were of the Leeds performance. It wasn't particularly great. It wasn't bad. It wasn't terrible. But you could see he's starting to implement structure into that squad, yeah, which yeah. they clearly didn't know. Um, and it's interesting that he changed the goalkeeper, as we mentioned on yeah. uh, Thursday's pods, that they obviously changed it. Straight no away. UC Eskalin and give you that. No, um, <laughs> unfortunately not. No. Unfortunately not. But yeah, I think it is um it's it is impressive how quickly he can get a message across and how quickly he can be like, mm. right, this is what we do. I think for them to frustrate Man City to a two one is it actually <laughs> they've just shipped five yeah. to Palace, if you know what I mean. Like they've been shipping a lot of goals. Mm. I think that does show promising signs for them. Um, but I do feel like the teams that are there are kind 
are there now. But we will see. Um, Everton, you did it a week early. You did it a week early. You were meant <laughs> to do it at Man City. You weren't meant to do it against Brighton. You've just blown your load. You're not going to be able to do that again at the weekend, are you? It's definitely not happening. Oh, um, so that is frustrating. Um, but never mind. I think Premier League-wise, that's kind of everything. Was there anything yeah. else we needed to cover? I mean, we can talk about Chelsea and how fantastic they did against Bournemouth, but I think we will save that because we have got a guest lined up this week. So, Ooh. guys, he'll be in a sure bit of a better out. mood. He'll be in a he bit will of be. a better mood. He certainly will be. <laughs> I think that could have been a Samaritan special if that was recorded a week, <laughs> last weekend as intended. Um, yeah. And as I said, at the moment, Nottingham Forest are beating Southampton at 3 1. Goals from two from Tayo Awanee, a goal from Morgan Gibbs White, mm. a penalty, and Alcaraz for Southampton. If he is at Southampton next season, it'll be a miracle. That guy's been fantastic. <laughs> um, so, guys, we are going to leave the Premier League there for now. And when we come back, we're going to discuss all things Calcio. Hi, I'm Phil Brown, and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian podcast. Ciao, come stai? Benvenuti. Welcome to the Serie A review. And it's been a party weekend in Italy, I think there's a lot of the celebrations have dominated everything. All people cared <laughs> yeah. about was the scenes in, in Naples. Yeah. But Adam, where are we going to start with in Italy this week? I think let's start off with the two Milan clubs because this was on paper anyway, kind of tough games. It felt like it anyway, because especially as you consider the opponents, they're all in the top four mix. So we we're expecting maybe a tough game, but both Milan clubs made it look easy especially when you consider they're going to take on each other in the first leg of the Champions League as well. So um, we might as well start off with Milan. And uh, they comprehensively put Lazio to the sword. Um, Lazio look a shadow of their normal selves, Rory. And um, yeah, I don't know what to make of this Lazio side. Do you feel they've kind of, you know, run out of steam? What, What do you put it down to? Because it feels like they offered some quality in this match. But ultimately, they're just overrun by a bit more of a streetwise professional Milan side. Yeah, I feel like there's a bit of experience coming into it. There's a mm. bit of a like, okay, the heat's on now. They It looked like they'd really secured second place. It really yeah. did. It looked like and we were saying they're comfortably the, the second best team in Serie A. And at their peak, I think they are. But I think what also is Lazio's problem is they've got a very small squad, yeah. like a very this small squad. True. They've got the starting 11 and that's it, really. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they've got any like as Arteta would say, impactors off the bench. You know what I mean? I don't think there's anyone <laughs> yeah, who comes true. on, you know, like, okay, Very this true. is, it's all kind of youngsters or older players mm-hmm. or kind of like, it's not, there's not, not that excitement off yeah. the bench or that spark. Very true. So I think this is where we're starting to see Lazio falter a little bit because it's just, it's a long season. This season has been ridiculously long as well, like especially long this season. So I think teams with smaller squads are struggling a little bit more. That being said, they've still had a fantastic season. I do think they'll still get top four, even though it's tight. I think they will just see it through. Um, mm. But for Milan, we were doubting them. We were worried about their form. They were drawing a lot of games, but just when the time matters, they've started to find that cutting edge. Teo, he has one a year, right? He has one a year yeah. where he just sprints down the pitch and absolutely pings it. Beautiful yeah. goal. Um, and yeah, Milan really, you can tell that being in this city now, it is getting nervous. Everybody, yeah, you can yeah. just feel it. Everybody in my class and everyone's just like, it's, it's two days, two days away. 
every like every newspaper everything everywhere is just milan 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 inter 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 flags mm. everywhere colors everywhere like it is ramping up and i feel like both the teams have just gone right i put the meme up of like the guy playing and then sitting forward with the remote <laughs> control because it just feels like both teams have done that and i think yeah. this this milan performance was that kind of right we have to get a bounce coming yeah. into this game the big news for milan though they're going to be missing rafa leal He's injured for the game. He picked he picked up an injury. Now this is the footballing god shining on Inter. I think yes, or the first time of it. How big an impact do you expect that to have on the game? Because I don't know yeah. if Salamakers is going to have the same impact. Massive, and you know my opinions on Salamakers anyway. Um, but um, the Belgian think... Maradona, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> he's done well for that point of view. Um, anyway, um, Liao, I think he massively helps Milan's dynamic in terms of he provides them an outlet. But what's more impressive about Liao is the last few weeks running into this kind of game. He's been the kind of pinnacle to how they performed. And um, without him, I don't think they've got someone that can do the same duties as he can do, which is kind of pace, run at defenders, run at his like opposition and take the ball to a different dynamic. Because otherwise you're very much reliant on like sort of Giroud to maybe hold up ball and play in and players. And then you need to ensure then, if you're going to do that, that you have a high line. Now, this is the thing that Inter are probably going to like love that because what they'll try and do is then counter-attack. They yeah. will make sure that they've got willing runners down those sides. Um, but more importantly, we know the strengths of Inter being the middle of the park. So, you know, we've talked about and lauded up Chanalogu for his efforts this season. Brozovic, Brozovic is yeah. another one that's come into form. Obviously, we know about the centre of the park as well. So, the Cherubi can be get, got at, but I have to say he's been impressive this season. I feel like he's um, been great. He's been Bastoni's, a lot than I expected. Definitely. Exactly. Yeah, Bastoni's really starting to prove his worth the last few weeks. Even in the game against Roma, he was mm -hmm. playing these really nice, intricate passes, which I think Milan will be very wary of. So obviously you've got that aspect to contend with. And um, yeah, Milan or Inter, should I say, are just purring at the moment. Just the form that they've been de really demonstrated are. is just a world away from a month ago where we kind of said, how is this team losing yeah. like nine, ten games in a season? You know, the inconsistencies mm -hmm. of this side. And to think they might just win this competition as well is just insane. Absolutely insane. But yes, um, massive miss, Rory. Massive miss. And I don't know who is likely to fill in the boots. I know we're speculating Salamakas, but I think they might actually play it a bit more, maybe centrally, maybe get mm. another midfielder that can maybe just fill in the plug, the holes potentially. Um, maybe Merseus. I don't know. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Well, to get an in a point of view, I do have a voice note from Tommy Ooh. talking about his anticipation before the game. So here we go. Oh, no, wait. Ah. I need to turn the volume up on my phone first. That would help. <laughs> No, 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 Rory, you have no fucking idea. Like, this morning I woke up, I started doing, like, I was, I had a super productive morning. Um, I worked, then I got back home, I started cleaning the house and everything, and then I was like, after lunch, I was like, I'm going to reward myself with a coffee. And when I walked in the bar, like, I immediately saw the Gazeta, like, titling something like Derby Ready, and I was just like, oh, fucking hell. And... Uh, yeah, man. 
Ah, ah, fuck, I'm nervous, man. <laughs> fuck. Yeah, it's... It's gonna be quite a clash, man. It's gonna be quite a clash, and honestly, what's even making me angrier is that Inter have been looking good recently. Uh, how how he finishes the note with the fact that Inter, Inter have been in good form is a bad thing. I really love that about like the, the mentality of a football fan just in one sentence is like, we've been good recently. That means we're going to lose. <laughs> like, but, but you're right. Inter have been fantastic. And Lula, um, L- L- Lautaro and Lukaku, yeah. Lukaku doing that Rabiot thing and playing for the contract, but they are absolutely tearing it up. And do you think this partnership can get through that Tomori, Tiao, Kiaia kind of force field, magic mic force field? All the hallmarks there. All the hallmarks, I think, if the right delivery is supplied to them. And I think that's going to be very much about how does Barilla take on the ball because he's going to be a player that they're going to try and exploit, right? I think they're going to try and maybe wind him up as well because that's the way that you can sometimes get at Barilla if you kind of play to his kind of emotional side of things. Then certainly sometimes he can wane off or certainly let it get to him on the big occasions. Um, but that said, Barella of late has demonstrated that he can be the driving force for Inter, mm-hmm. especially when he, he he's on those runs. You don't want to be on the opposition side. You don't want to be the player that has to kind of try and bring him down. So I think with that element, and also if you think about what we've been talking about, maybe Denzel Dumfries, I know he doesn't get a lot of favourable comments that of late. His decision-making isn't the best. Yeah, it was yeah. his cross that helped mm-hmm. DeMarco with that goal in the Roma game, and DeMarco on the other side, I mean, we know about how good he can be. Season. He's an un- yeah. unbelievable player as well, so um, Milan will be very wary of potentially what they to them two in particular could contribute. I suspect they'll probably play it safe and maybe go for Damian on the right-hand mm-hmm. side rather than Dumfries. But those extra legs in Dumfries, you know, he could be the driving force in terms of that second half, especially. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, um, you know, Milan have to be wary, but Milan are very astute as well. So Tomori, Kia, Kalulu, they know how to uh, make their tackles. They know how to make themselves known. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just fascinated to watch this match. Uh, <laughs> genuinely honestly, fascinated. Like, I'm like a kid at Christmas, honestly. And then I know this isn't even the Champions League re- preview, and it's just turned into it because everything at the moment is through the lens of the Milan derby. And I'm delighted to announce, I didn't want to say it on last week's show because I didn't want to jinx it, I have a ticket to the second leg. Bravo. I, the inter-home <laughs> game, second leg, it is going to be absolutely electric. We're in the second ring, I think, on the side. It's going to be intense. It's going to be... No, yeah. we're behind the goal. We're below the Milan fans, I think, because they're the away team. Um, it is Get your umbrella intense. then. Get your I umbrella. know, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a, a flaming moped dropped onto us at some point. But I am absolutely delighted to get that ticket. Thank you, Nespo. You are an absolute hero. There's a load of us going. Tommy will be going as well. So, yeah, I'm super, super excited about that. But everything at the moment is through the lens of the Milan derby. Um, we're going to leave the Milan teams there, I think, because yes. we could end up talking about it for an hour. I'm pretty okay. sure. And we've got plenty of talking about it to come. Um, we are going to talk about a party in the south of Italy. 
It was the homecoming. It looked like Ossipen. Bloody hell. Missing the first penalty. And I was like, man, come on. This isn't this isn't how it's supposed to be. You've already won it. Yeah. You can't make it difficult again. But then he does step up, score yes. the penalty. And the game kind of... No one really cared about the game no. massively. It was all about what was going to happen afterwards. Yes. And, well, Adam, walk, walk us through the scenes of what happened once the final whistle was blown. Just a sea of fireworks, display, emotions. Um, just, I think, just how that city has kind of embraced this team and got behind it. They've seen these guys as being their kind of gods, essentially, on the pitch, um, displaying this incredible style of football under Spalletti. And it just all came out. It all came out. They celebrated with good hearts. Um, just incredible just to see some of the clips that we did see mm. because even I saw, like, <laughs> I retweeted it. It was basically a couple with the little boy in the buggy and he's holding a flare, just carrying on. <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> usual. Oh, I was thinking I probably wouldn't see that at Dan Wickham at any time soon. Um, but that, that just kind of summarizes the emotions of that city. I mean, they were just loving every second and doing anything to express how joyous this moment was mm -hmm. for them because I don't think they kind of feel this might happen again. So this just felt like a one-time thing. It felt incredible to watch as a neutral, but I'm mm -hmm. sure for many observers, I mean, if you think about how that club was 33 years ago, you know, bankruptcy, playing Serie D, and then obviously De Laurentiis takes them over and gradually builds them up to become this kind of powerhouse again. Mm. And just that kind of, when you reflect, and what I've seen a lot of is Napoli fans talk about their worst 11 since those days. And that is a sight that kind of tells you the story of Napoli in itself, because they've had some showers of shits in that squad oh, as yes. well in the past. Um, but to actually come back with some perlers and a team that really just loves being there. That, that's the mm -hmm. thing that I, I love seeing. Even though, you know, Zielinski's being linked with moves, you know, abroad, he's still loving life. Osimhen has obviously been linked numerous times. Kfarad Skelia, um, I'm sure even AFC Finn is talking about the beautiful club now in our comments. That yeah, just yeah. kind of summarises how impressive this season has been for Napoli, Spalletti, everyone involved. Um, I could go on. Rory, I'm sure we'll make a separate pod about Napoli. We are going to do, like, the season review yeah. will be heavily Napoli-focused, I imagine. But I think yeah. in 10 years for for um, Aurelio Di Laurentiis, I think it's 10 years, um, to get them from Serie D, or 15 years maybe, from, uh, from Serie D up until Champions is incredible. Um, I love that in his, in his post-match interview, all he did was complain about the referee in the Champions League. I love that pettiness. I love that he's still not happy, but he is. Um, yeah, everything. I think you're right with the players. They realize how special that club is. And like I think... It's a city that when you visit it, I think you just fall in love. Like it's not, it's like a proper cliche, but it is a city that you go there Enjoy and it. you fall in love. And it's mm. just a beautiful. And I think playing for that club must just be such an incredible, incredible feeling because yeah. all those people will be got are gods in that city now for the rest of their lives. And I think what you might see is a few of them stay a little bit longer than you anticipate because they know mm. that there is, a, as I said before, there's an opportunity for them to kick on and win multiple here. This doesn't have to be yeah, yeah. their last one for another 33 years. They have comfortably been the best team in Serie A this year. If they can add quality, even more quality next year, maybe even a bit more mm. depth, 
who yeah. knows what they can achieve like so i think really exciting time for that club i loved the poet like in the stadium the celebrations were just insane i'm gonna take a few marks away for playing we are the champions because it's a little bit rude one <laughs> and i hate that yeah. song i fucking hate that song you hate queen, take a few stop. points away <laughs> but the the choreography the light show the fireworks spalletti getting the god of honor that he deserves like people crying over him like i think just that the crowning moment for that manager has just been absolutely mm. beautiful so Delighted for Napoli to be able to do it. Delighted um, that they were, a- were able to celebrate at home. And now they just get to cakewalk to the end of the season, right? Yeah. Just see how many more points they can notch up. See if maybe they can beat Juventus's total. I don't know if it's still up for grabs, but maybe they can get there. Um, yeah, Fiorentina, sorry, you were very much the sideshow. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone really paid much attention. And you played pretty well. You played yeah, really well, to part, be fair. Yeah. It's just no one particularly cared. Um, <laughs> elsewhere in Italy, we do need to look at what is becoming a very, very, very exciting relegation battle as mm. now i'm looking at the table who's been dragged into the bottom three spezia are in the bottom three as verona get their first away win of the season how massive is that adam huge huge i mean we speculated on the previous pod about had for hellas verona kind of blown their chance of pulling themselves out of it um, and then you've been an advocate of Cremonese not being the worst side in the league, but not the worst, not the worst side to potentially get relegated as well. Um, and then they pulled off this magnificent result, which I was maybe surprised that I felt like Spezia in terms of the quality of players they've got. I just don't understand how they've managed to pull themselves off. It almost feels like, and I'm not linking this to Jakob Kivel, but that business done in January alongside who they managed to bring in wasn't enough clearly wasn't enough um we know also prior to that dragovsky had a horrific injury broke his leg managed to obviously get himself back into position where he's playing but it, it just feels like it's just fallen from that side on downwards and i never thought spezia would struggle but they have massively struggled to even get a win at the moment it feels like and just the fact that these teams and it happens every season doesn't matter there's always one or two sides that just manage to pull themselves out of the relegation zone at this moment in time it feels like his verona's opportunity they're going to now push on we know how strong they've been kind of demonstrating in the last few weeks bar the odd result you know against inter that was an anomaly for example um but we even thought maybe lecce would be brought into it just for the benefit of your misses um it feels like they might be safe uh, for now anyway um, but yeah, Cremonese just to have another opportunity. And then Rory, we'll obviously talk about Sampdoria and the great fall of that club um, because it's not going to be great times ahead. It looks like bankruptcy is on the cards at the moment. Um, this despite that, the fact that they have kind of new shareholders that took mm. over in January. It feels like they're waiting for maybe the club to change ownership and potentially then they'll be able to invest money into it. But where does that lie in terms of that club? I mean, the future doesn't look too promising. Berezinski, for example, is potentially going to come back from Napoli, which is a strange kind of career move for him right now. He'll be back from his loan spell at Napoli, having never played for Napoli, but he'll be one of the high earners. Harry Winks, for example, another one that potentially will mm-hmm. be moved on. Um, 
Manuelio Gabbiadini as well. Potentially will find himself another club. Um, but yeah, you have to worry about the future of Sampdoria at the moment. It feels like that could be another Napoli moment where they get dragged down the leagues before they come back well, up again. Yeah, the thing is in Italy, you need to prove that, <laughs> funnily enough, you need to prove that you have the finances in order to yeah. register for the league. Even though the clubs here are horrifically run, that you do have to put your paperwork in. And if you don't register in time or you don't reach the play, the the threshold, then you get relegated. Mm. That's what happened to Napoli, right? That's why they ended up in Serie D and all the way down there. They ended up going out of existence. The idea is that, well, or the thought is that um, this the same will happen to Sampdoria. Now, the owner, um, Ferrero, he's been sent a pig's head in the post by the yeah. Sampdoria fans. Um, he's been sent four bullets. Like, it is getting pretty, pretty nasty down there. The club has been mismanaged for Decades, yeah, decades now yeah. um both the genoa teams like we've seen genoa there they're bouncing back mm-hmm. and they've got yeah, their new yeah. owners and they seem they're they're straight back up that's nice but these are two teams that have both been horrifically mismarried managed yeah. we've said for a while that maybe sampdoria need this relegation as a wake-up call but what they don't need is the financial chaos that's going to come alongside yeah. it i think genoa their their owners came in knew knowing they were going to get relegated right they knew they were going to get relegated yeah of course and they were like right We'll buy them, take the hit, get them, get them straight back up again. Sampdoria needed those owners six months ago, yeah. a year ago, if you know what I mean. Because now, obviously, I don't have to explain economics to you, but the price for the club is going to be a, yeah. a fraction of what it was six yeah. months ago. So, I, yeah, it's not not good times for for Sampdoria, and it's really sad to see because they're not they are one of the iconic Serie A teams. We all know the kit, we all know the players, yeah. we all know the stories. And for a club like that to be so horrifically mismanaged is horrible. I think Stankovic has done as good a job as he could have done, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think he's. We've seen, we've seen a marked improvement in them. They've picked up a few points. They've got a win here and there. I mm-hmm. think because they yeah. were on below double digits for a very long time. Well, like performance against Juventus was just typifies yeah. what he's managed yeah. to do. And that's yeah, yeah, you know yeah, he's yeah. even got like players that, like Zanoli, for example, mm-hmm. who's on loan yeah. from Napoli, for example. Really good prospects. I think when you look at the core of that Sampdoria squad, there is some really decent individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, this was why I was surprised that Falcone, for example, was loaned out to Lecce at the yeah. beginning of the season yeah, because yeah, I felt yeah, like yeah. he was a very good goalkeeper. But yeah, uh, it's it's deep. There's just too many good goalkeepers in this league. Gallini got loaned out to like Atalanta yeah. or Napoli or something, right? They're all just handing each other goalkeepers. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is a bit mad, but sad times for Sampdoria. We hope to see you back soon. We want the the Derby della Lanterna again in Serie A. We want mm. Genoa versus Sampdoria. Massively underrated Derby, that one. It's but while bad. we are in that city, sorry, Sampdoria fans, just rub a little bit of salt in the wound. <laughs> yeah. We need to give our flowers to Gilardino and to mm. Genoa, who, yep. with the help of SSG Paddy, as Bari draw another bloody game, <laughs> 14 that is this season, now they've drawn, um, as Bari draw and Genoa win, Genoa confirm they are straight back into Serie A, as they mm. tweeted out, only one year straight back, beautiful to see, and managed by Gilardino, so two World Cup 2006 heroes in Grosso and Giladino will be managing in Serie A. This is the content we love to see, right? This is what we need. It's beautiful. It's beautiful just to see two disciples of that kind of squad, the Italian national squad, 
being able to kind of put to measure what they've learned in their past and uh, bring up these sides. I'm hopeful to kind of see some interesting football going into Serie A from these two teams. Might even spice up the league a bit more. Um, it's a shame that we didn't get the likes of De Rossi and maybe Fabio mm. Cannavaro join them, but they've had uh, interesting uh, managerial paths. Not, quite, that way. As, not, not quite as rosy as uh, anticipated, <laughs> yeah, yeah. should we say, especially with Fabio uh, in particular. But um yeah, no, um, delighted for them to let's see what they can deliver. I suspect it's going to be a lot of pressure on them, especially when you look at the um, kind of qualities in this league. I mean, you know, Empoli are one of those sides you expect to be in relegation fight every season, but they season upon season just prove that you don't need a lot of money, but just mm-hmm. good footballing philosophy. And they seem to just bring it out every season. So, yeah, I, I'm expecting next season to be even tougher than what we saw this season in terms of that kind of mid-table to bottom half race. Um, when you think about Mons as well, the power that they could, you know, reinvest into that squad. Um, yeah, um, it's going to be fascinating, Rory. I know we talk about the high end of the league, but the bottom end and the middle part of the league should be very interesting as well because mm-hmm. Bologna, how great they've been. Fiorentina, they've managed to pull themselves and put themselves back to where we anticipate. So it's going to be fascinating seeing how these teams kind of mix in with these existing teams, should we say, in Serie A. Yeah, there's some real quality being added. And a player to look out for from Frosinone is Mulattiere, only 22 years old. He's got 12 goals for them this season. Fired them to the championship. Unbelievable. Really, really exciting striker there. So keep an eye out for him. But yeah, Grosso and Giladino back. We love to see it. Um, elsewhere in Serie A, I think that was basically everything. At the minute, it's the 93rd minute and Sassuolo are drawing one all with Bologna. I really needed an Orsolini or Barrow goal. That's not going to happen, is it? Damn. Um, we are going to leave it there, I think, with Serie A. Anything else to say? Uh, just quick word on Vlaovic. He managed to oh, get a goal, important goal against Atalanta. I think just for context, a um, lot of chance aimed at him about his heritage, which yeah. Gasparini unfortunately didn't really respond in the way we anticipated, should we say, Rory. Um, but also just to maybe just put a positive spin, it was quite funny seeing obviously the Juventus players jump off the bench and celebrate with Vlavic. Um, in particular, Bonucci brushing past Allegri and Allegri wanting to throttle him massively to the point that he had to be restrained by his coaching staff just before he got to that point. But that would have been epic to watch as well, Rory. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm putting my money on Benucci. I'll be honest. I'm putting my <laughs> money on Benucci, the man who chased a guy who mugged him down with a gun. I think Benucci chased him down and beat him up. Like this guy Sounds is not right. to be messed with. He's a bit of a nutter, I think. Um, but for the comments for Gasparini, like just for fuck's sake, it's as racist as any other chant. Atalanta fans did it. They've done it over and over and over again. I remember when he was at Fiorentina, he got the same chance. Flavic gets it all the time. Um, and just more needs to be done in Serie A. Just more needs mm-hmm. to be done because the, the headline ones is obviously when black people um, are are racially abused and that's right. It should be headlines, but so should the racism against um, people with okay. Romani gypsy uh, blood. Wherever you're from, it's racism yeah. and it should be highlighted more. So I think Serie A definitely needs to do more and I was really disappointed in Gasparini. Honestly, yeah. I was just really disappointed. Just one of those classic cowards comments. You say, like, mm. fuck's sake. Um, but... We're going to leave the doom and gloom there. Yes. Um, and we are going to preview 
again, <laughs> the Champions League. <laughs> we promise not to talk about the Milan derby, or we're going to try our hardest. That's all we yeah. can do. We're going to try our hardest right after this break. And we are back with the Champions League preview. So it's time to talk the Milan derby. Adam, what do we think about? <laughs> no, let's try. Let's try and do the game that you will be attending. Yes. Um, tell us, Man City. Is it Man City Real Madrid this week? So it's Real Madrid versus Man City. So I'll be actually going to the return leg, which will Oof. be at the Etihad. So, uh, yeah. Listeners, this... you're going to have your live correspondence in the stadium. We are. We're going to actually be there, Rory. It's going to be fascinating. I mean, this game alone got me excited as well, um, just because of the quality that's potentially going to be on the show and because of what happened last time as well, mm-hmm. because Man City had lots of opportunities but failed to make them count. And on this occasion, again, we've got the typical Real Madrid squad that seems to be just swanning it and making it look easy. Um, So I'm just going to be fascinated how they play out. Will Guardiola kind of maybe shut up shop? Will he kind Mm -hmm. of play a different style of football? I suspect he won't. I think he will play open and expansive football, but I think he will look at this Real Madrid side and kind of look at the weaknesses. So there is some opportunities. Let's not kind of dwell on, you know, the older generation of players, you know, that you like sort of Modric, et cetera, being maybe too slow, can't have the same stamina, should I say, as their counterparts. However, Vinicius Jr., for example, Rodrigo, they're exciting talents. Um, and, you, you know, we saw Valverde, for example, in the Chelsea game. What an incredible talent he is as well. So, there's some really big players in this Real Madrid squad, um, but to counteract it, Man City on great form. Haaland looks like he's ready to take his chance. Um, this is just, his stage. This is the first. This is, this is like the biggest stage he's been on in his career. Yeah, I think this is the biggest. This game is of why his Man so City far. bought him. Essentially, yeah. they bought him for yeah. these occasions, and it'll be so fascinating to see how they pair up, especially. You know, the, just the different dynamics of the two coaches as well. You've got a cool animated Ancelotti against maybe a slightly more animated Pep Guardiola who'll be gunning to make sure he gets his revenge and uh, takes his Man City squad to the final. I think this is, yeah, well, we've, we've, we've said it, haven't we? But last year in that tie, everyone was saying, or if City had a striker, they would have yeah. walked through that tie. They would have yeah. absolutely walked through it. It's just... Real Madrid had Benzema and they were playing with no striker. Like, I think that was mm. the difference. So now, well, Haaland is going to be a completely different tie. We just need to, all City fans need to hope is that Guardiola keeps it simple and keeps it normal and doesn't overthink yeah. something because it's like he's becoming a parody of himself at some point with these mad decisions. Yeah. Like if you see Rodri not on the team sheet for no reason, then you know he's fully <laughs> yeah, he's Like I can imagine just right now, Guardiola sat in a dark room with just like thousands of TV screens around him, just, like, <laughs> just pulling in. Just, theories coming out yeah. of his head <laughs> yeah, like he is going through it right now he's going through it right now so i think as as long as he keeps it simple they should be okay if they can get a draw in madrid at least then i think they should see themselves in the final um at which point either milan or inter are mm. starting to look pretty nervous i think but i think city should have enough to get through it just just um and it is just because of Haaland, i think um but the Milan derby, we've kind of previewed it, but we've not actually talked about yeah. how we expect the game to go, right? We've talked about the noise around it. We've talked about how the teams have come into it. What do you expect from the game? Because I think it's going to be very, very, very nervous. 
<laughs> You've taken it away um, in that aspect. I think it's going to be a tense game. Um, and I expect it to be a draw. Personally, I, I had my feelings about um, this prior to the Liao injury. I think that doesn't really change the way, mm. maybe potentially how it, this plays out, because I think you know Milan will be looking to make sure they cancel what in to offer, um, making sure that they don't get too many opportunities. Uh, I think the key here, Rory, will be who's best at the second ball. So who, mm -hmm. you know, when a move breaks down, who's going to be there to make sure that they make the second pass or the second block or tackle, whatever it be, really counts. So it'd be very interesting from that point of view. Pioli has some decision-making to make. Like we said, is it Salamakas? Does he go with maybe more kind of central midfielder potentially to play the role that Liao leaves? Um, and then we, we've got to speculate on who he kind of puts up top as well because, you know, Giroud hasn't necessarily been on form. Um, so it'd be fascinating. But Inter obviously primed in good position right now in terms of their form. And... Um, yeah, I think it's just going to be down to Simeone and Zaghi's tactics. We've said it many occasions on this pod. It's how he approaches these kind of big games. Um, he's normally got it right, apart from when things don't go right his way, then he seems to struggle and inspire that team to kind of make the decisions to kind of mm -hmm. push on and change the way the game is flowing. And I feel yeah, that, that is games. going to be the big thing. Changing games is a bit of an issue for Inzaghi. So if Inter get off to a good start, then they'll be okay. But if it's not going their way, mm. does Inzaghi have what it takes to make that change or make that tactical yeah. tweak that's going to get them back in the game? We will see. But Omar El Rafai, uh, welcome to the show, mate. Um, he's mm. just um, commented with rumored lineups: Hakan and Lukaku on the bench, Mikatarian and Jekyll to start. I actually think that's probably not a bad move. A bit more, um, bit more experience there. Um, especially with Jekko yeah. like Jekko and Mkhitaryan, I think they're a bit calmer. They're a bit able to handle the um, yeah. the occasion. Whereas maybe Hakan with the whole Derby thing, with the whole Milan history, and Lukaku can get a bit hot headed. Maybe those calmer influences might be good for the first leg, and in the second leg, see why and uh, see how it's gone. You're able to kind of get those fiery yeah, players yeah. back in there. Uh, but we do have a question: Should Limone stay um, if we get fourth and win Coppa Italia? I still think there's room. <laughs> I still think there's space for Inter to have a better manager than Simone Inzaghi. But um, if he gets you to a Champions League final and wins the Coppa Italia, I think it's very hard to sack someone who's done that. I don't know how you feel about it, Adam. Key question is, does he want to stay there? Because it's Well, that's about, true. That's this true. is the yeah, other yeah, dynamic. It's the Sunning project that is just about milking it at the moment. And it feels like there's not a lot of investment in this Inter squad for the last few seasons. Um, obviously, a lot of rumours about Steven Jiang and where potentially he gets his funds going forward. <laughs> um, let's put it that way. Um, but yeah, I think Simeone and Zaghi earlier, it was only about a month ago that potentially he could have resigned by all accounts. Um, he was persuaded to stay on as part of the project's I mean, look, what he's achieved is incredible. I think the only thing that is missing is the Scudetto from his kind of time at Inter. If he could mm -hmm. just get that elusive Scudetto, I think he'd be very happy and he'll move on. But I, th I, I wonder, even if you got rid of Inzaghi, who do you replace him with? Like, And who realistically would take that mental piece? I know there's a lot of 
you know, names being thrown about like ex-players, like the likes of Shivu, who is in the youth team at the moment, the likes of Tiago Mota, for example. But they need someone that's kind of experienced this. Uncle Sharma's kind of even talked about the likes of, you know, Mourinho coming back, yeah. perhaps, you Oof. know. I mean, it, it, that's nostalgia for Inter fans. Yeah, I feel yeah. they, they want someone that's experienced, that knows how to win these kind of big occasions. But... I think they just desire to be in a Scudetta race. That's that's the big yeah. thing. Um, and, you know, as much as Inzaghi's won the Coppa Italia, the Super Coppa Italia, you know, and this is the thing that's quite funny. He's taken into further than his predecessors in the Champions League. It's not since the Mourinho days that someone has got this far. So yeah, yeah. it is such a difficult dynamic. But I think Simeone Inzaghi will just kind of wait until potentially this result and maybe the Champions League final because they're obviously at the uh, Coppa Italia final, should I say, sorry. Um, so, yeah, it'll be fascinating to see how this goes. Yeah, I think it, I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right. Um, Omar, again, saying personally, the yeah. priority should be Roberto De Zerbi. Also, wouldn't mind Conte back. I think Conte is going to have a few people queuing up for him, despite what was an absolute big virus. He'll go to Juve. <laughs> He's going to be at Juve, isn't he? And yeah. De Zerbi, I don't think, is going anywhere for a while, despite mm. losing 5-1 at home to Everton. <laughs> He'll be there for a while. Um, but we're going to leave the Champions League there because we have mm. semi-finals coming out of our ears, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we've got lots of them um, and we're coming up with the e well no the cool kids club cool first, kids first yeah. as in the europa league we have roma taking on leifakusen and we have juve taking on sevilla these are mm. two very very interesting times we could have an all italian final but i yeah. do feel like Xabi Alonso at Leverkusen is going to have something to say about this. How do you see Roma getting on against Leverkusen? Xabi Alonso has got them firing, by the way. Like, yeah. Incredible I mean, if you, for those that don't know, obviously Leverkusen were dragged into relegation fight in the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. He bought in or was bought in back end of November and he's managed to kind of instill this new style of football, um, gradually getting results, pull them back up the table. But more importantly, obviously, getting them to this stage as well, despite the backdrop of their league form as well. Um, he's someone that, you know, I'd be very curious to see how his career path works out. Um, I think there's a potential for him to move on to a bigger club and I'd be fascinated to see because there's been a lot of talk about him because there's rumours at the time Real Madrid were potentially like tempted to make him an offer mm-hmm. to become a manager. There still could be that in the background, especially with Ancelotti potentially saying this is the end of the road for him. So it'd be fascinating to see if Xavi Alonso did decide to go back to Real Madrid. Um But yeah, I mean, this is going to be a fascinating style of football because you've got someone that's a bit more idealistic expansive expansive. and uh then you've got the pragmatic jose um i think jose would have loved this to be uh, like a way leg first i think he prefers going into the second leg being away or at home should i say um but i think he'll use his willing willingness and you know i feel he'll get a result on the day um but it'll be interesting how many goals can they score in the first leg? I think that's going to be very, like, the big kind of point, I think. And and regarding Juventus-Sevilla, I, I don't think that's going to be straightforward for Juventus-Sevilla. No. Oh, very no. good side. They showed it in the game against Man United. Well, they were um, gifted. Well, to be fair, they were gifted. They were, they were but, but you have to give it to them. They were chasing it. They knew what they had mm-hmm. to do. They got the result. So I think... 
when you think about the dynamic of the Juventus squads, they do kind of crumble on the big occasions when yeah. it comes to these games. They showed in the Champions League they weren't very good either. They were lucky, I think, to an extent against Sporting as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 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 see. yeah. Let's they definitely see. scraped through. They definitely scraped through. So I think mm-hmm. that's going to be an intriguing one to watch. An all Italian final would be nice. And Roma, Roma <laughs> beat Juve in the final. Oh, we need the scenes. Oh, we need oh, the just scenes. Get the uh, ears out, you know. Yeah, oh, run it back. Run it back. We need to see back. it again. We need to see it again. <laughs> and to finish off, we do need to go to the even cooler kids club as mm. West Ham bloody European semi-final West Ham taking on <laughs> AZ Alkmaar on Thursday night and then we have Italy's representative as Fiorentina take on Basel what are you expecting West Ham AZ Alkmaar I think this is now, AZ Alkmaar I've not heard of since um, St- Steve McLaren was their manager but I think it was there, wasn't it? I think it was no, there. No, it was um, uh, Louis, Louis, Louis van Gaal. Was it Louis van Gaal? I thought Louis anyway, van Gaal. Yes. You can see how much I know about AZ Alkmaar. But yeah. what do you think, or how do you fancy West Ham's chances? I feel like they've got to get to the final. Really, this is right? a massive, yeah, massive opportunity for West Ham. Um, I think to get to this stage is incredible. They've done really well. But I think they'll look at this opposition and kind of feel like they need to get to that final now. They they will kind of like look at this as a huge opportunity to maybe get some, you know, silverware at the end of the season, which would be incredible when you consider how they've been performing in the league. Um, but yeah, massive opportunity, and that's no disrespect to AZ Alkmaar. Um, I'm sure they've got some really good players. Um, but to be fair, I feel like the quality that West Ham have, they should on the day be better than AZ Alkmaar, but. This is where it gets a bit more about a mentality thing with West Ham. I know, I know we've historically said this about West Ham as well, that they seem to struggle on these big occasions. So it's about David Moyes using the kind of more experienced players, your Pacates, uh, etc., to kind of maybe draw out a bit more kind of, as you alluded to with the Newcastle-Arsenal game, about the technical aspect yeah. maybe the abilities that they've got on show that can maybe get the better out of West Ham but yeah Fiorentina versus Basel Fury. I mean we, we're kind of purring for Fiorentina but they made it so difficult in the last leg against Lech Poznan who we didn't even anticipate to bring out a performance in Florence um how do you expect that to go I think Fiorentina should have enough. I think what we have seen as well, which has been massive for them, is that um, Cabral has been saving his best performances for the European mm. competition. Now he hasn't really, um, he hasn't really been um, been firing in Serie A as much, but he's definitely been banging it in in the in the Conference League. So I think he's going to be key for them. He's the top scorer in the competition. Yeah. Basel, they're not doing particularly well in the Swiss league at the moment. They're down in fifth which is a massive disappointment for them. Mm. Like we're used to Basel winning the league most seasons. Um, So for them to be down there, they're not having a great year. So I think this is a time for Fiorentina to get to a final. Um, And as Omar says, West Ham, Fiorentina versus West Ham final, I think. Um, Although AZ Mm. will be tough to play away. Yeah. Yeah, it's the second leg being away for West Ham that makes me a little bit nervous about that. But we are hoping the Happy Hammers make it. We really are hoping. And on Friday's show, um, we will be able to 
tell you at least how the first legs went. We won't be able Fingers to tell crossed. you how it's, how it's going to go, but how, this, <laughs> how the first legs went. Um, Adam, before we go... Oh, very good point. Cabral used to play for Barcelona. He's going back to his old team. Omar, you just reminded me. He's going yeah. back to his old team. Narrative everywhere. Um, Adam, is there anything to say before we send these lovely people home? No, it's been a very enjoyable live stream, Rory. So, uh, yeah. Just make sure you follow us and ensure that on Thursday or Friday it'll be for you. I'll be recording with a very good guest about Chelsea and their season so far. So uh, I yes, wish I could be on there, the Samaritan stage now that they beat Bournemouth. That's the most. I important. wish I could be there. I wish I could be there. <laughs> but Adam will be will be there for you on Friday, guys. As always, thank you for joining us. It's been great to have you along. Um, if you're on YouTube, make sure to hit the subscribe and like button down there. Tell a friend. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod. And yeah, I think that's everything. We will see yeah. you on Friday. It's been a very long, very long <laughs> day, listeners. Yeah. We are going to say bye right now. Bye, guys. Ciao, ciao. Podcast Network.